Mac Football Pod. We got the whole family here. Whole family? Justin, you are dancing. You aren't kidding. I got you on camera right now. No one else is going to see it except for uh, me and Caleb, who's also here, believe it or not. Ooh. Oh. Caleb, where's your dance moves? I don't have I don't have any dance moves. I didn't even dance my own wedding. It's all in the pelvic region, baby. You don't need to see it. <laughs> Boys, we have reached the point in the year where midweek action will start to happen. Uh yay? <laughs> yay, you know. Uh you know, don't love it, but it keeps the lights on. Tuesday night lights. Keeping the lights. Keep someone's on. lights on. Uh, guys, the this past weekend was incredibly crazy. Of course, Toledo, Miami. Um, <sighs> congrats to Toledo for the win. Wow, did that have to be such a painful thing to watch? Uh, the rest of the league is, you know, not nearly as interesting as what happened in Toledo, Miami. Guys, generally, your thoughts of everything that's on your mind right now. Give me it all. Give me it all. I'm just thinking Brett Gabbert, man. That injury sucked. And he the injury sucked. And I don't know, like, I don't want to be that guy to be like, oh, if he would have played, they would have won kind of thing. But, like, you know, he's the second best at worst quarterback in the MAC. Missed an entire fourth quarter and will miss the rest of the season. Who knows if that game would have turned out a little bit differently. Because it's not like Toledo looked great in the second half. They were good enough, but not great. Didn't score at all in the second half or just the fourth quarter? Uh, entire second half. I think they were they had two, they were up twenty one, twenty one three or something like that at one point. Yeah, no, it sucked because like literally two plays before he went down. Fourth and right, fourth and one, fourth and two, whatever it was inside the ten. You're thinking Chuck Martin's just going to hand it off to Rashad Almost Nope. Spreads it out, throws it for a very short gain. You don't have plays like that if you don't have Brett Gabbert. You don't have spread plays like that if you them. don't trust your receiving core. And they did the new school thing. Chuck Martin did. Chuck Martin, who's still there, did the new school thing, and it worked. And then two plays later, pain. Sucks. Lots of pain. I don't take any joy in that. Caleb, your rival, you're about to see uh, Miami as, you know, this weekend when there's only two games for Saturday. There's only, you know, Eastern, Western, and there's y'all, Battle for the Bricks, Miami, Ohio. What is your read on how this is going to affect this game, knowing that, you know, Ohio is not exactly blowing the doors off of people right now? Ohio's not the team that's, you know, the team that we thought we were expecting to see, you know, when we were having these conversations in August, September. The <clears throat> talking to my buddies about Miami, talking talking about Ohio, obviously the two top hot topics of discussion um, for Ohio alums, as it would be. Um, we were talking about basically Ohio doesn't look like a MAC championship caliber team, and I I you I think you guys have already seen this, <laughs> but. I was like, guys, I really do hate to say it, but Miami looks the part of the team the the team that could win it. This was before yesterday's game. And they're like, you know, you know, the typical like 
kill him at the Hague, try and How kill him at you? the Hague, right? He betrayed that's, us. That's what it is. Take away his degree. Right. Um We're not your friends. Could have gone that way. Right, that that too. Um could have gone that way. But you know. They were still losing before Gabbard got hurt, but it looks like that could have changed. Uh that said, they're they're a really different team without Gabbard. We've already been exposed to plenty of that with Smith as a quarterback before. He's still the backup. So especially with them coming to Ohio, it's it's not that Miami couldn't win. They totally could because my Ohio's offense has been pretty pretty meh overall, which is weird that the defense has been so much better than the offense. But it's been Mez being a little generous, isn't it? They've been kind of like straight up bad. I mean, they've been okay. I, I guess Mez probably appropriate. I mean, they looked <laughs> Mez, they looked meh against Western, so that's like basically bad. Yeah, meh relative to expectations, and that's kind of the thing is uh, relative to expectations is bad. Meh overall because they're still like running the ball decently and work. You know, he had his bad NIU game, but he's not playing like garbage every week. So. But that's not encouraging. If you're like offering qualifiers for Ohio, this is a team that returned the most of the biggest weapons they needed to get back to a MAC title game, and you're off. And I'm over here offering qualifiers like, well, they're not looking that bad. And it's like, well, yeah, they kind of are. If this is what we're getting, Um, but they're Miami and Ohio are both six and two, and those are two of the teams. If uh, coming into the season, I would say Toledo and, and Ohio probably the best chance of having a record like that going in. And I think we've kind of known Miami could be capable of it if the if the defense is playing well and they've got stuff figured it out as much as much critical as I am of Miami. So, um, I don't know. It's this this should be a relatively easy Ohio dub, but their offense hasn't been getting the job done. So, uh, I don't know. It's 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 a weird it's a weird game. I'm not like excited for it. I love that it's a Halloween weekend. I feel like every time it's in Athens, it should be Halloween weekend. Permanent fixture. I know they always do it the same week, but this is a game that should just... It's one of those never-maction games for me. Where do do we sign that petition to, like, keep Halloween football in Athens every year? Like, no matter what. Like, where do we sign that? Um, Buddy... If it existed, I would have signed it a long time ago. Without Brett Gabbert, is Daquan Finn the number one quarterback in the MAC right now? If not him, then who? Because right now, I'm I'm unsure where I kind of sit with all that. Like, like Curtis Rourke, he should be a lot better, but he just hasn't lived up to the billing this year. You know. Um, the receivers need to step up a little bit. And, like, I say that knowing that they've made some plays, too. So, I don't know. Like, they just haven't developed efficiency as on the whole on offense. Whereas Daquan Finn, I mean, shit, he's kicking ass. He's not. But he is leading an offense that's 4-0 in the MAC, right? And against Miami, had Brett Gabbard not gone down, who knows? That game could have gone really sideways. Like, Brett Gabbard doesn't play defense, and they went – they scored nothing in the second half. Yeah, I would say over the course of an entire game and season, I'm taking Daquan Finn. But if you just give me like a random fourth quarter, I might take Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> Still, like he's, no not, he's not doing 
No, but that's what I'm saying. Good. Like for random moments, he, like him and the NIU team in general, like this weekend against Eastern, it was kind of just like, if you look at like their EPA charts, like both teams are kind of racing to the bottom in the second half. And then Rocky's like, oh, I guess I could just win this game. There's no guy in the conference that does it quite like that, where they just sort of wake up mid-game. It's weird that whenever NIU seems to decide, like, hey, we could just throw the ball. It, it sort of works out in their favor uh, because their team is not built that way. And I can't imagine that teams don't game plan for the type of passing that uh, NIU throws at them. Like, I have to think, like, they're thinking, like, okay, yeah, we're expecting run, we're expecting heavy run, we're expecting, like, heavy, like, running back and tight end packages. But we still got to be ready for when they, spread it, when they spread it out a little bit, they go play action, et cetera, et cetera. And for some reason, as long as Lombardi's been there, they get they go on these like spurts of passing productivity and the running game is like it's it's just an afterthought because it's like oh we're throwing out of a necessity or we see something in the defense that we've got to exploit and obviously that manifested when Lombardi threw for 500 yards against I can't remember who um maybe Kent State I want to say uh he had a big game against Central in 2021 I think yeah um they seem a little more unwilling this year than they did in 21 to just like whip that thing around and i don't know why that is but they haven't been like they haven't gotten in a lot of shootouts this year it seems like they feel more comfortable with the type of games they're winning right now than they were in like 2021 um they're definitely like more in control than that season which i think makes them really scary and if i was an niu fan i'd be definitely transitioning out of a mentality where it's like, all right, let's just make a bowl game into like, all right, Toledo looks vulnerable. Let's, you know, scoreboard, watch the hell out of this thing and take care of business. Cause they, they seem like they've got the juice here down the stretch. Yeah. And like, I, I said this before, like maybe not here, but elsewhere, but like October and November does not ever have to look like whatever it did in September. And like, that's kind of the case for NIU right now where like they didn't have good mojo in the first, you know, quarter of the season, first third of the season, like pretty disappointing. We were talking about, hey, Rocky Lombardi had to, you know, after I think it was like a six of eight, six for eight day, statistically not bad, but vibes wise, just not it against Tulsa. I think it was right. Like we were kind of talking about like, uh, it, how how long is he going to be in trouble for? Like, is, is this yeah, we thought he like, was toast. Yeah, like where's the butter, right? But that just was obviously not the case. We're, we're giving him like some decent praise, even though he's completing passes at 58% of the time, 6.7 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Those aren't lovely numbers. You know, it's not like he's having the season as a, you know, 29 year old, right? Or what is he, like 32, older than us? He's not having the kind of year we might have expected out of him caleb you tell me wrong like is he underperforming do you think um hindsight's hindsight's a bitch right like tools wise and given what niu has uh in its system player uh player talent wise like it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that he's not like blowing us all away uh but i do i think i was on board with this idea that Lombardi is like that top echelon of quarterbacks in the Mac. And I guess 
in a close game where you need a quarterback, like you might still just want to have Lombardi. If it's like a low scoring, manage the clock, let's grind it out type of game. There's still a part of you that almost like wants you to have somebody like Lombardi because for one, he's played in a lot of those games and he's also 37 years old. Like we said, uh, He's like, how many other guys can you say this about? He's the type of player that's still drinking beers in the parking lot, like just sitting in his truck. Like, I don't imagine that out of anybody else in this league or in college football in general. But in this case, when we're talking about quarterbacks, someone that needs to be like like on the clock all the time. Hell yeah, man. Just waltzing on in there, but he's fine, dude. Like, but that Rocky Lombardi play a full game in jeans challenge. That's why we like him. That's why we think he's good at this. Because he still smells like bush light. Tell you what, man, we're going to throw the ball 18 times, and, but, you know, we're going to win by two. Yep. All right. I just don't know how they pull. Like, they, they um, I didn't get to watch much of the end of the NIU-EMU game, but um, I was driving back from Mount Pleasant of all places, but was um, – following along and i was like oh this game's going to overtime both of these teams can't move the ball and then niu just uncorks a 15 play just shy of seven minute drive to ice the game yeah i don't know i don't know how they do that they had a bunch of negative plays on the drive too like if you look at their play chart it's like oh labardi sacked for five yards and goes no big deal i'm just gonna throw a 13 yard first third and 11 convert third and 11 convert convert yeah just like nonstop. it's just like i don't know they converted on their own half of the field on fourth and one and hammock as much as maybe analytics would tell me otherwise it's it's it sure feels like hammock is more willing to go for it on fourth and short than like any coach in the country it's yeah aggressive like he's been, he's been pretty committed to it like the style of football they play is not an aggressive like wow you type of offense but like if 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 maybe it fits that mindset right like you're like we can get two yards we're built to get two yards. Why wouldn't we get two yards? We're going to go for it. Let's get two yards. So, Can I tell you how upset I am about just the way that game unfolded? Like, from the Eastern side of things, as the as the totally biased writer in the room, like, EMU won't say it straight up. EMU's going to say, like, we just didn't make the plays. But, like, the penalties really hurt. Like, and, like, to single out, like, I, I – Chase Klein kind of like hurt him twice. One time, I thought it was a very stupid penalty, which was like uh, third and goal on the very first drive of the game. Rocky Lombardi throws an incompletion, should have brought up fourth and goal, or yeah, fourth down and the kicking unit. Um, but Rocky Lombardi, former team, former teammate, current friend of Rocky Lombardi, right? Chase Klein is Rocky Lombardi because they were both at Michigan State. After Lombardi threw the pass, just a little shove on like the shoulder, you know, didn't kill the kid, didn't knock him over or anything like that. But oh no 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 no, you can't do that, buddy. Got to control this game right now. So let's give him the new set of downs and an immediate touchdown. Must be a directional Michigan thing. As we're watching uh, this replay of Western and Ohio as WMU is about to get off the field and commits a personal foul in the red zone, um, seems to be a theme. And then there is. Towards the end of the first, uh, towards the end of the first half, NIU's drive in to end, and it's like third in a mile. They run a play. They end up going, you know, not converting. They go really short, 
but away from the ball, probably like five yards away, you know, trying to make a play towards it. Chase Klein gets flagged for uh, illegal touching on like an offensive player. So I don't know, probably shoved a guy in the back or something like that. It was off screen, so I couldn't say. But still, he drew a penalty that, you know, was dumb and unnecessary. And so that extended that drive. That led to a field goal for NIU. Then in the second half, there's a touchdown pass wiped away from EMU, um, Austin Smith to Hams. That was wiped away because of the right guard, Alex Howie, was flagged for tripping. Um, Creighton said on Monday that he, you know, they complained about it to the MAC offices and, you know, showed that there clearly wasn't a trip. But it doesn't matter because it happened anyways. But even though, like, if you take away, like, that plus the other penalties that I already talked about, instead of, like, the moment late in the game where, like, EMU's leading 13 to 10 and they're trying to squeak this out, they should have been up 21 to 3. Just on penalties. Just on three penalties. And one of them may or may not have been their fault. You know what I mean? But even so, like, they... They should have been up by at least two scores. And so, like, for EMU, I have no faith that they're going to be a good offense by Thanksgiving. I have none whatsoever. Like, it's we're eight weeks in. I'd be delighted to see the best, you know, the last third be the best third of the season out of their offense. I'm not going to be totally inspired just based on four more weeks, five more weeks, whatever the case may be. Four more weeks, yeah, that's what it is. Um, plus a bowl game, maybe. I'm not expecting a big turnaround there. So I already came into this NIU game expecting an ugly one, right? Like, this whole season's ugly. Rocky Lombardi's not playing fantastically either. Um, they're an interesting team to play against, and I expected it to get ugly, and it did. But you can't let... You know, if things are going to be ugly, talent's not going to be the difference maker, obviously. So stay away from the stupid penalties and Eastern wins, you know, some games there. And it's just, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's, it, if it's not one thing, it's another, you know, you sound disappointed a little bit. Anyways, let's draft some quarterbacks really quickly. If me, you and me, both of you guys, Justin, Caleb, if us three were in charge of, picking backyard football teams right now, all things being equal. And the only things that we have to draft right now are our quarterback and our backup quarterback. Let's go. Justin, you first, Caleb, you second, me third, then Justin fourth, Caleb fifth, then me sixth. What are our six, first six picks of the Matt quarterbacks draft right now? Just based on the what Quan, we know from the, the Quan 2022 Finn. season. Dequan Finn, number one overall pick. Finn, all right. Finn. And you're saying I can't pick Dequan Finn. Hmm. Hmm. It already gets hard. By Team Justin tanked. It already gets hard. I will. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I would take Gabbard if he wasn't hurt. That's exactly. I, I personally, I would take Gabbard over Or. Um, sounds like blasphemy, but. I'm going on recency bias, and I'm not going on overall picture, to be completely honest with you. Well, Brett Gabbert, if Gabbert, if Gabbert was healthy right now, going into yesterday's game, if you said, who would you want? I'd probably say Gabbert. It's not overwhelmingly overwork, 
but just kind of like what I've seen lately and just knowing what I know about them overall. So I'm like, well, I'm like arguing for why I wouldn't want Curtis Rourke. Curtis Rourke come out next week uh, against Miami and remind us why he was the freaking offensive player of the year last year. Who knows? So who's your pick? We going off the guys who can play right now? Cause yes. if so I got to pick work. I'll hit work. Yeah, that's what that's what I was trying to get you to say. All right, and then I'm picking for my pick, my QB one, newcomer to the scene, Hayden Wolf, just on potential, not not so much on like how much he's played because you know, it's year year one coach man, he's he's, he's doing some stuff over there. Like he, he knew how to play this game out. Like there's some chances that Western can still go to Detroit. Hayden Wolf, you're kicking ass. You're leading. The, he's leading the MAC in completion percentage right now. Got to put him out there. Which you would expect with the type of offense they run. Um, but he has a willingness to go downfield, even though he doesn't throw a great deep ball. But he makes the throws that the offense requires of him. Mm-hmm. And that's all we've been asking for in Kalamazoo. I'm taking Rocky Lombardi. I mean, I guess I got that. Cole Ooh. Snyder. All right. No, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know who I'm, I, I don't know who I want. Will Snyder occupies the same space in my head as like Matt McDonald, where I'm like pretty sure I don't think he's that good, but then every time he's just filling up the box scores. Do we trust? Mm -hmm. Do I trust Avion Smith on blind faith right now? Like knowing that, knowing what the upsides. Oh, and Justin, this is where you should be in your bag, buddy. This is where remember what you said all summer. You're like, hey, maybe Chuck Martin figured something else out. With Avion Smith, you know, running around and doing stuff. They, they have not used him as a change of pace guy like I thought they would. Well, now they um, have to do it. Now they have to. <laughs> uh, well, it's probably the reason they don't is because they have uh, a giant running back. So I love that. What like they're doing like the very simple thing of just like stretching that field out, letting the good receivers do good deep work, and then letting a big, strong running back pound it up the middle. Like, this is uh, 2016 Toledo we're talking about here. That's what that's what Miami's offense is being right now. Are you comparing Rashad Amos to Kareem Hunt right now? No, just style-wise. Just, okay. just getting vertical <laughs> and strong up the middle. No, I, w- I would never do that. I don't know, man. Because, ne- like, my next best options right here, and, like, the last one I have, right? The last one to wrap this up, like... Uh, Kyle Kelly. I was just gonna say twelve of fifteen for however many yards. That was pretty good. Did, did what he had to do Saturday. I'm going Avion Smith. He's my backup. So if Hayden Wolf goes down, Avion Smith, same deal. All right, I have one more thing I want to bring to the table, and then uh, I'm pretty much out of notes for the night. I already shared you shared with you guys a few scenarios of like how the season could end. Uh, we're just going to focus on three of these because I have three scenarios. There might be more. I'm going to have to do some more work, but I think it's pretty hard to find more than three scenarios where the Mac West can have three five and three teams at the end of the year in Mac West play or in in conference play. Caleb, if if we had to find ourselves 
in a world where there are not not a one, not a two-way tie, not a three-way tie, not a four-way tie like we saw in, I think it was 2014. I think that's when it was. But if you got to live in a world where there were five, five and three teams in the division, uh, your pre-reaction to that. I mean, if there's any conference in the country that can do something like that, it's the fucking Mac. We would uh, hope so. Yeah, because nope. Typically, nobody's so overwhelmingly good on one side of the division that they just completely own it, right? Like the second worst, the second best team on a given day is like dead even with the worst team in a division in Mac. And, um. If you told me, like, this is how it was going to work, I'd probably be like, well, hopefully it's the West because I sure hope my Ohio is dominating and that's not happening. Um, but I would have thought, okay, well, Toledo's playing bad. If this is a, if this is even a discussion of are they in a dead even, like, race, then it's like, okay, Toledo is vastly underwhelming in terms of their expectations. So I would have probably thought, hey, maybe Daquan Finn's hurt. Um so it'd be it's it'd be a weird scenario. It's not gonna end up that way. But we can always we can always have fun with it. That's the that's the fun part about these dumb tiebreaker scenarios. It's always fun to talk about. And I'm going to spell it out for you. That way we can have fun with it. Um I, I wanted to have like the same sort of fun in the East, like playing around with the standings, but like just thinking about like things practically, like honestly, like it really is just like I'm, I'm only opening the door for four teams in there, like including Bowling Green. And I don't even mean it with Bowling Green. And I don't really mean it with Buffalo either, uh, vibes wise. But the math says that they're in it. So I have to talk about it in that term. Um, but in the West, it is like possible for shit to implode, like shit to just really, really be bad. Let me just spell out some final results in these three scenarios. Right. So number one. Uh, Western's going to beat Eastern. Miami's going to beat Ohio this week. Uh, NIU, you're going to beat Central. Toledo beats Buffalo. Ball State beats Bowling Green. This is going to be boring if I keep going like this. Let's 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 do some of the highlights actually. Um, Central Western's going to be won by Western. Eastern is going to beat Toledo. Bowling Green is going to beat Toledo as well. Central is going to beat Toledo as well. Where are some of the other important ones? Western is going to be NIU. And last one to wrap this. Do, 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 do. Ball State beats NIU. That's right. That's what's important here. Okay. In this scenario, Eastern, Toledo, NIU, Western, Ball State. Because Ball State I have beating Miami, Kent State, NIU, and Bowling Green. Winning out the rest of the year. Live with it. They go from 0-3 in the division to 5-3. Would be would be a crazy turnaround. Not to make it to Detroit, but just personally. To just end up in this stupid scenario. But what happens in this scenario? There's three, or I'm sorry, there's five, five, and three teams, like I said. What happens to figure out the tiebreaker you figure out everybody's record within the five and three bracket. 
That leaves you with Toledo and Western Michigan, both with three and one records against the five and threes. The head-to-head from there, Toledo, of course, already beat Western. Toledo goes on. Looking at the next scenario. I have Eastern, Toledo, Central, NIU, and Western Michigan all going five and three with Ball State going four and four. In my opinion, this is kind of the best one. Kind of. I say kind of because for the positive, Ball State goes four and four in the West with everybody else going five and three. It's hard to find, you know, a better record than that while still missing out on the party that everybody else is in. The bad is that Central Michigan ends up winning in this scenario. Um, Central pulling out wins over NIU. Not Western, unfortunately. Um, Agreed. Ohio, but they could always... Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, Beats Ohio and beats Toledo. Western still beats Eastern. Western still beats Central. Western still beats NIU. Western still beats Bowling Green. Justin, it's okay, man. Justin, it's okay. Now, any scenario where Western wins out and Central goes to the next title is my worst nightmare. But it does open up another scenario where Central has an opportunity to go to the MAC title game and have worse attendance than another directional school playing in the quick lane bowl. If you're thinking, like, why, why, wait, hold on, you just said Western's winning out. Um, what happens in this scenario, uh, because Central does so well otherwise, um, within the group of five and threes, Central's the only one that has a three and one record. Uh, Toledo, NIU, Western goes two and two, Eastern one and three. So you want to avoid that if you're Eastern. And in the final scenario where there's three, five, and threes, the one team that misses out is Ball State going two and six. So that's arguably the worst one. Uh, Justin, you would argue otherwise, because in this one, I have, of the five and threes, Western and Central both going three and one. But because in this scenario, I have spelled out that Western's going to beat Central, Western would go on to win the West. Now, that's what I'm talking about. Western. I'm pouring all of my uh, my fan energy into the final piece of the season into like Western trying to win out. That for for this scenario, that's what happens here, where Western wins out. Western beats Eastern. Western beats Central. NIU, Bowling Green. I have Toledo losing to Buffalo, which would be fantastic. Uh, and do, 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 who else are they losing to? Central and Eastern. So going one and three. This all just feels like a year where. Toledo does just enough bed shitting where NIU sneaks in. I like those are the only two scenarios that I can come up with in my in my head is that you get a Toledo, you get another Toledo title, or you get another like NIU Devil Magic season where they go seven and one. Which which I think is like one of the more likely scenarios to happen this year. Like yeah, in the scenario where Toledo slips up, that feels like it. Mm-hmm. To give you like the MAC championship uh, matchups of those scenarios, and the first one I said where Toledo wins out, it'd be well Toledo wins in the five and three, obviously not winning out, but 
Toledo would face Ohio, which would be cool. No. Uh, Central would face Miami in a rematch. So two rematches are on the table. And Western Ohio, speaking of rematches. That would be a pretty fun game. Bobcats bite their... You muted yourself, homeboy. Because what he was saying was absurd. Oh, good job. You avoid cancel culture. I said what I had to say. <laughs> I'm just excited to have even weird mathematical possibilities to win a MAC championship this deep in the season. I mean, my team's two and six though, so we're, we're dreaming way too big. But the schedule gets lighter. You know, there's a scenario, and like I've said before, that like if you if you lose two division games, you're just not going to win the division. Um, mathematically, that's just not the case. But historically, that's 100% totally been the case uh, ever since we've had six-team divisions. Um, I think Miami was the one that got away with it in 2007. There were seven teams in the division, so made things a little bit easier to get by. But Ball State, there's, there's a way that you can get to MAC championship, and it's not with like going five and three, man. It's just all you have to do is win out and everybody else just like really, really sucks. That's it. Everybody else loses a leg. And if Ball State did it, Ball State would be the first to not only break that mold by like a lot, but like, holy shit, man. Not only has nobody gone to Detroit with two divisional losses in a 16 format, but nobody's done it with three. I'm almost rooting for it. It's not going to happen, but I'm almost rooting for it. No, but if you're a Ball State fan that wanted to talk yourself into it, you got one week put, to do it, buddy. They put together. They put together a couple good weeks. <clears throat> so, you, you feel like you might be peaking at the right time, I guess. Although I wouldn't call like the way they're playing like peaking or anything like that. But like, they played Toledo really tough. Then they got a win against Central. There's, I mean, if I'd talk myself into it. Well, you have to. Yeah, life you, you is waited short. All year to do talk, it. Life is too short not to drink whatever Kool Aid is available to you. Amen. What does the path look like for our friends in Bowling Green? Oh man, do you, you really want us to figure this out? All right, let's do it. All right, so well, just high level. Like, what are they like? Like this, they they need they would need Ohio to win this weekend. Okay, I, how about this? I'm going to spell it out in a different tab. I'm going to let you and Caleb waste some time about how much you do or don't care about uh, cheating or getting caught or where you guys stand on all that because I'll let you know something, man. Like, I I don't care. I This is going to be like a progressive take, I hope, but I don't care that a football team is cheating, okay? I don't care because, and this might also be a progressive take, assume everybody else is just doing it. However, because this is pro wrestling, the rule is this. You don't get caught. That's it. It's supposed to be fake. It's going to be fake. We all know it's fake. We all know it's bullshit. But don't get caught. And that's where you screw up. If you get sloppy, you face the consequences. That's all there is to it. So there's no like moral judgment on it. But like my my thing is just like, oh, you should be disappointed in how sloppy you are. Uh, yeah. To the extent I care enough about Michigan football, this couldn't happen to a funnier program in terms of like what that school and like people like what they think of themselves. Um, 
I think um, just it's been really funny reading all this stuff online, like especially the reaction from fans. This is a really like good old fashioned college football scandal, and I'm just enjoying every second of it. The part I'm particularly enjoying is the part where like Michigan fans don't seem to be getting like why everyone finds it so funny. Um, there's a lot of like in classic Michigan fan, like looking at all these technicalities and then you have like Twitter lawyers jumping in being like, well, this isn't actually illegal. And it's like, guys, nobody gives a shit. They give a shit because you use, they like, they got mad because Justin Fields took online classes at Ohio state and that would never be allowed at Michigan. Like, I think like Michigan and Notre Dame are like two of those schools where it's like, if you've ever used your admission standards in an argument about recruiting, I do not want to hear you talk about like, I don't want you to be like upset that people are mad at you for cheating and making fun of you for it. Just own it. Just own it, win games and tell everyone else to eat shit. But they just care so much that they got caught doing this. I even saw one take that said it was so sloppily done that Michigan could never have done it, which I think is the perfect Michigan take. They were like, I almost chef's don't kiss. believe chef's kiss. I almost oh don't God. believe that they did it because it was so poorly done and Michigan would never cheat this poorly is the ultimate Michigan cope. That and doesn't look like my mom's cookies. My mom thing. would never make cookies like that. But as far as sign stealing goes, like I think you made the point, Alex, like they were cheating, like just call it what it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it. very like, different. Why? Than, why like, did you? Why did you move the way that you did? Why didn't you just like, hey, this is our guy over here, man. He knows his shit, man. Everybody should have a guy like him, huh? Like you know what you're doing. That's why you did it. That's it's fine. Well, just say it. Just say what it is. Whatever. And like, listen, like if you've ever played on a football team at like any level where there's film shared, like. I don't know. Like, I mean, Caleb, you coach football, like trying to figure out what the other team signs are is super normal. It's like, if you're, if you're not doing that, especially in game, trying to figure out what that means, it's like the same with basketball too. It's a little easier in basketball, I think to steal signs, but like, that's a little different than like getting tickets and video potentially videotaping a sideline. Like I, I do think this is like a step above like gamesmanship into like a gray area where it's like you should it's kind of a dick like, move and everybody hates it like in i don't game know what you think about that caleb totally as a man cool. who as a molder of young men caleb so i'm on the i don't really give a crap about the sign ceiling stuff in general uh, um i think the 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 amount of time and effort and energy that appears to have been put into this by this stallions dude and some of the Michigan folks incredible. And they very obviously, it seems pretty clear that they leaned on this guy to inform some of the on-field stuff they did. Uh, my own personal thing is I don't even, I do not look at other teams signs and that might make, might be, that might be like a sign of like why I probably wouldn't be cut out for college football. I don't care enough. Like I, I, I like I, I want to win. I, I want to be successful, but I don't care enough about what the other team's doing. Like if I can't figure it out with my own eye, maybe it's a personal pride fit thing. I don't know if I can't figure it out with my own eyes and have an idea, look at trends, uh, try to guess what if like if I was them, what would I be doing? To me, it's 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 like it's it's the challenge and it's 
more exciting to try to counteract what a team is doing and find a better answer. So, but they're, you know, they're fighting for contracts. They're fighting for um, trying to get that booster money. They're trying to get people out of their ears and ADs out of their cell phone voicemails saying like, whatever, Hey man, we can't lose to Michigan again or whatever. Um, I'm just over here trying to like teach the dudes and enjoy it. And I do not feel like I've ever actually been interested in knowing what another team's signs are or trying to guess what they're doing based on hand signals. I mm-hmm. like if they're getting to they're getting to the line, they're going heavy, they're going uh up tempo. Cool. I might want to figure out like what Ringo 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 means because maybe that means they're it's like an automatic play to the right or whatever or mm-hmm. like we're like slide protecting to the right. That's in game figure out what the strategy is, it makes sense. Uh, outside of that, I don't care about the signs. I don't want to know. I don't, I would not invest any time whatsoever in that. Um, and I think if I, if, if I were to say that to a lot of college football fans or a lot of co- people in the college football sphere, it'd be like, you're naive for not wanting to do whatever it takes to win. That's not how I approach it in general. Because I'm not a, I'll do whatever it takes to win type of guy. That's not how mm-hmm. I approach football. The pieces I think about a lot too is like just from a general coaching standpoint is that it's like very, and this goes beyond just sign stealing. There's a lot of like, you know, from the position we sit in, like the armchair quarterback style is like, oh, well, why don't you just um, do this different thing? Do you know how hard it is to get a group of people, particularly kids, to just become something different on the fly? So even if you were stealing all of those signs, like it's, not exactly like your full identity to just be like oh we're just gonna rely on stealing these signs and doing you know just adapting right and like particularly defensively like it's it's a react it's you're, you're reacting more than being proactive anyway but it's also like i don't know you're you're not gonna have a good time i mean the 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 play in question where they see the laminated sheet you've seen that video out there right ohio state scored a touchdown on that play even though Michigan presumably knew it was coming, right? Yeah. And if that isn't football, I don't know what is. But part of that is, I think, a lot about, like, the kids are too worried about knowing what the play is. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's got to be a nightmare for game planning. And for me, like, the absurdity of all of this with Michigan is, like, did you even gain? Because a lot of people are like, well, they didn't even gain a competitive advantage from it. If you look at, like, the results of some of the plays in question and the games in question and things like that. And it's like, yeah, that's what's so stupid about it is because I feel like it makes your life harder to take focus away from what you do and focusing too much on what the other team does. And I think a lot about like in the run up to this Ohio State Penn State game the last weekend, there was a lot of talk about like how Drew Aller can't go downfield and they never have gone downfield. That reporter had the question about why don't you just chuck it deep? And James Franklin was like, we never do that. And he was right. They don't ever do that because they suck at it. But like, that's the <laughs> thing. You don't just all of a sudden unsuck at something. Like there's no such thing as like playing possum and holding back or anything like that. Like it's very, very difficult to change who you are on the fly week to week and just become something different. Um, and I feel like that's true of anything even beyond sign stealing and particularly in football where everything has to be like so drilled and so precise and things like that. And in a sport like this, particularly defensively, I can't think of a scenario where knowing the exact play necessarily matters in a lot of cases. Um, 
it might matter on plays that have a lot of like extra action designed to fool you that doesn't work but knowing what someone's going to do in kind of like a base offense is not always entirely helpful and that's what makes this so so dumb so obviously at the end of the year bowling green can finish the year tied with buffalo uh, in the conference standings <laughs> and still go on to win the MAC championship game. So I've presented two, um, well, I'm going to present two scenarios um, uh, just to make Bowling Green a little bit more interesting. One of them, Bowling Green does win the tiebreaker 6-2 to two over Buffalo. Um, in this one, um, it's important to know that Miami loses to Ohio next week. Sorry, Caleb. And it's also important to know that Miami loses to Buffalo in week 12. Okay. Now for Bowling Green, obviously they're winning out. Uh, other East games that are important. Uh, do, 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 do. Buffalo beats Ohio as well. Buffalo just kicks some ass, man. Jesus Christ. Um, do I have them losing a game here? I have Buffalo losing to Eastern Michigan to send Bowling Green there. Uh, and also in this scenario, Toledo's going to win the West. So we're going to have a revanche of the Battle of I-75 in which, in this scenario, of course, Bowling Green already won the first time. So Toledo would have the revenge opportunity in Bowling Green in Detroit. The ultimate is Battle fun. of I-75 in Detroit. <laughs> Runs right into it. You could play the game. You're basically playing the game on I-75. It's like, oh, man, can Jason Candle rebound and beat Scott Loeffler? Oh, shit. In this other scenario, uh, I unfortunately actually have Buffalo winning out and going seven and one to beat Bowling Green, just because I wanted to see like what this would look like. Uh, Ohio beats Miami, uh, Bowling Green beats Kent State, Buffalo beats Miami, Bowling Green beats Western. Let's see, do 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 do. Um, but there's a but there's a good scenario where uh, Buffalo goes on to win the East, and NIU wins the West. So what's old is new again. Of all these teams, this is actually really interesting because I think every, every year there's like a team towards the bottom that just plays really well at the end of the season. I mean, I think Akron kind of did it last year. Of all of all the teams that we're kind of talking about here to do one of these absurd late season turnarounds, who's the best candidate from what you've seen so far that is like showing you something that makes you think they could you know, win three or four down the stretch or win out or anything like that. That honestly, hasn't shown it previously. Honestly, Western, you know, like record wise, they haven't shown it. But like, I, you know, I, you've heard me talk about this team the past few weeks. You know, like I only have good things to say about the way that they've been doing things. So I think they're that's, primed. That's for, my answer, too. Yeah, what, what, what's your answer? Beat the question. Who's going to have these the best teams second, at the bottom? Round. Who's going to have the yeah? Who's going to have which of, of this group of teams that have been kind of underwhelming, or like seemingly eliminated from title contention, has like the best chance from what you've seen to kind of turn it up and have a really really good close to the season? I without really looking at the schedule of who they'll play, if I'm just going off of like the vibes of it, I don't know. Does Bowling Green qualify for that? Because I like what Bowling Green's doing obviously they just kicked accurate yeah they do um they qualify the one thing the thing i like most about bowling green is they have guys on every part of the uh, every element of football uh Tyrion stewart's obviously the stud and had a really good game last week uh i i've talked about darren anders before but i re- really love him as a player 
and they've got guys in the box that do really well. Um, and they do things in special teams. I, I again, I, to be honest with you, I couldn't name anybody off the top of my head, but they they do make plays in special teams. So there's like an, an every element of the game. Bowling Green finds ways to do things sometimes, but they also look like they could be one of the worst teams in the conference any given week. So it's weird, but they could just finish hot. So just to, based on to tell you what the what Bowling Green schedule is, they're home to Ball State. Then it's uh, home to Ball State at Kent State, home against Toledo, and then at Western to close out the year. That could be good. You'd expect three of four, like if, if yeah. you're a Bowling Green fan, right? Like, right. I would say split. Expectation right. wise, I would I mean, say split. Yeah, I mean, like again, the this like bottom or middle tier of the league can all beat each other and all lose to each other. Which I think is going to make for some pretty compelling action, um, especially as teams start fighting for bowl position and things like that. Um, Bowling Green's a really good pick here because there's you can do the throw the numbers out rivalry thing. It's a home game. It's action, all that. And then Ball State, Kent State, and Western they'll they'll be favored or at least slight underdogs in all of those games. So you could talk yourself into winning out here. And I like Bowling Green with this because they haven't really, you know, they didn't against the top portion of the MAC, at least in their own division, they haven't shown up the seven total points between the Ohio and Miami game. Right. So that's bad, but they've played the bottom parts of their conference and pretty much kicked ass. So that tells me that it's There's not a signs. team that's There's There's stealing signs. Signs Yeah, the, it's the Michigan difference. That's why Joe Moorhead needs to protect his signs better. That's why everything's going terribly. That, to me, I think, at least on that side of the bracket, is um, that's the pick for sure. But that part of that is that like Akron and Kent State are both putrid. But my pick is Western as well. Just looking at it has more to do with like Western's been very competitive. They were competitive Saturday. They're getting more competitive each week. And if they don't figure out the penalty issues, like they're just, they, they just, they took like a taunting penalty and ended up with like a third and goal from the 35 or something like that against Ohio. Um, they took penalties in big spots. Uh, we talked a little bit about Eastern doing that earlier. Um, so if they don't clean that piece up, they're not, you know, they could end up losing all these remaining four games, right? But they have played from a conference perspective, probably the toughest schedule of anybody. They've played the top three teams plus Ball State. And so the encouraging thing for Western is when they've played teams who, like, I don't know, like rank outside the top 80 in SP+, they've looked really comfortable. It's only been two teams. They've played some really good defenses. They played the best defense in the country in Iowa. They played a pretty, I mean, it's it's an SEC defense. It's not a great one, but they played Mississippi State, and they played them pretty well. <clears throat> Toledo, Miami, and Ohio, we know all about their defenses. So the schedule just gets a lot lighter. So they're... Western's going to play a lot more teams down the stretch that look more like Ball State than look like Toledo. And so I know it's not smart to just project their performances against like Miami and Ohio onto the rest of the schedule, but they have a pretty massive opportunity. Stay healthy, don't take penalties. It seems like they got the quarterback position figured out at the right time. I mean, I'm like I said, life's too short. I'm buying into it. Of the five teams that are three and one or better in conference play, NIU, Toledo, Buffalo, Buffalo, wow, Miami, Ohio, 
Wait, are you sure? Dude, I'm telling you. Yeah, they beat Akron. Beat Central Michigan. Did they not? They did. And did they not beat Kent State? They sure did. 24 to 6. You want to talk about a light schedule? Wow. Thanks. I hate it. Uh, they do Toledo, Ohio, and that's Miami. how. That's why they can. They like mathematically, not vibes wise, but mathematically, can win the division outright. However, and still play the next top two teams in the division. So yeah. I think we're it's answer- all in front of them. We're answering the question before it's asked, I think. But like of the those five teams, like who's not who's inspired the least amount of confidence out of you guys? Buffalo. Buffalo. But knowing what you know now about you know Ohio is not exactly like killing it on offense Miami might stop who knows NIU is rocking the party all that trustworthy Toledo is when is Toledo going to show up like Toledo already happened now when is the other Toledo going to get here like you guys got to have like your second shift coming pretty soon Ohio still nails on defense though that's the one yeah sorry they're they're the most put together team like of, of that group and even with like feeling in my head, it's like okay, Miami's got the vibes going. They're playing the type. They're playing in a way that makes you like them. Ohio's defense is still probably the best unit in the conference. Mm-hmm. You look at offense. You look at defense. Who's got the best side of football in the conference? It's Ohio's defense. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that's Toledo's debatable like with Miami, zero. but point taken. Like, and my most like sports radio football take is that like, off <clears throat> offense can oscillate a lot easier. Like. Offenses can suddenly get good if they figure something out or suddenly get bad for the same reasons. But like defense is a lot more consistent. I hope like, like they the can get slightly better. But Ohio is like, I just I have a lot of confidence that especially if they win Saturday, I have a lot of confidence in Ohio, like even going on to win the whole thing because just, you know, they're going to be in all these games, even if they're having a bad day on offense, because I think that defense is not going to have. I don't think Ohio's defense is capable of having a bad day. Yeah, I think like this this game's gonna end up like, you know, it, it you're not gonna see it in the box score like and like sometimes when you do look at the box score, it's like the game's determined in like touchdowns and or not touchdowns, but like the turnover takeaway ratio, you know, sometimes time of possession if you're into that. But what they need to do just for this game is just like add a line that says like total, who's got more bloody noses walking off the field? Because if you have more, you probably lost. I think uh the more I think about this Miami Ohio game, it's 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 like yeah, Gabbert's hurt. Ohio should win because they've got their starter. To be completely honest with you, I'd be biased. The more I think about this, the more I think this is the week Ohio figures it out. I think this is honestly the week where Ohio actually lays it on Miami because it's like you're taking out weeks of offensive frustration of not having what you wanted uh, in terms of the results in the box score. And honestly, this season in general, you aren't seeing the results that you expected or desired. And I have to think that the running game is going to have a big game this week. Receivers have been mostly fine. Um, Works needed to be better. The lines needed to be a little bit better. And play callings needed to be better. But I I, I actually do think this is the week. And it, I, I know the attention is going to be on. Uh, the action on the weeknights, so I'm excited for that. I, this is the week where Ohio puts it on my end. Let's end it with some of the weeknights. Let me just or oh wait, I, I want to echo that point though because this is the exact time last year where Ohio turned it on. 
their Ohio's point totals in the final four games of the season last year, 45 against Buffalo, 37 against Miami, 32 versus Ball State, 38 versus Bowling Green. One, two, three, four consecutive 30-point games. Their 30-point games in the season leading up to that point, they hung 33 on Western Michigan, um, 55 against Akron, which do we really count it? And then 59 on Fordham. 41 on FAU. Those were all spread out over multiple weeks. They had the Penn State and Iowa State game and they only scored 10 points. Lost to Kent State in overtime and all that. This is the exact point last year where Ohio because remember at this point last year all the talk was about Buffalo. This is the exact week where Ohio put the hurt on Buffalo and kind of like woke everybody up to, oh yeah, that's the best team. I think, I want to like I don't know, like it was but also, Justin, like you, you did it, man. Like you were, you were the first to like spot it out. You're like, they're not putting together four quarters, ever. Like, and this is the time of year where like you were like really like saying that out loud too. Like, as for as good as Buffalo was after being so bad as it was, because it was an zero and three start, then a three and zero after that, right? Something like that. At least zero and three to start. Yeah, they came. They came on the heels of the Toledo game, where they played one really, really, really good quarter. They put up a week's worth of turnovers, or their uh, sorry, a month's worth of turnovers in one quarter. So, yes. So there were. I think I was pretty early on the "be careful about Buffalo" train last year, but like to the point on Ohio, they are having like a really similar season <laughs> to last year. But the expectations are so much different that I think it blinds us a little bit to like, how good is this team actually? Mm -hmm. Because last year it was the offense was always kind of there and the defense looked a little bit, you know, bad. And then the defense slowly got better, slowly got better, slowly got better. If the offense just kind of gets on that same track of the defense, like I don't think the offense isn't overnight going to become what it was last year. Like that ship has sailed. But that defense is so good that if they just, step up one level and they have the quarterback to do it like I, it's just the same team in terms of like how the season is structured right now for them Kent State Akron is next week there's also some other games uh, of course we already said the Saturday ones don't have to hit on those too much I don't really want to talk about Eastern Western at all uh, NIU Central is next week. Buffalo Toledo is next week. Ball State Bowling Greens next week. But the biggest game of them all, the wagon wheel. Gentlemen, let's end it on this. Uh, good Lord, man. The wagon wheel. Oh, God. Like, I don't. I'm not excited to watch it. I'm not. And usually I am. Usually it's like I can suffer through or I can get up for the wagon wheel knowing that, you know, sometimes two teams are one in six or zero oh and seven coming into it or have those sort of outlooks on the season finishing out the rest of the way. That's totally the vibe when it comes to Kent State Akron, both of you guys winless in conference play so far. Uh, you have to get one. Somebody's going to get one this week. One of you will, but man, I, I really wish I was more excited for this one. I thought Kent State was going to be at least more competent than what it's shown so far. And same can be said for Akron's offense. Like, what the hell? Does the wagon? Well, the irons injury doesn't help. What's that? But I'm excited for this game for like those exact same reasons because everything is so bad. Someone's got to win, and I can't wait. 
Caleb, any care in the world for that or any of these other games this upcoming week? Um, Next two weeks, really. Wagon Wheel, I've got Akron. I think that they've shown that they can play with like semi-okay teams to an extent. They've had some really bad games. And I know they're on Undercluffer and whatnot. Uh, this could be the week where the Akron offense kind of like has a good showing. That doesn't mean it's going to be a good turn in the right direction in the long term. But, I mean, you have to think something's working there. Kent State's still just rebuilding, whatever. Um, if Kent State wins this game, Akron has a problem. <laughs> like, uh, Akron is way behind schedule, and I you can't use the QB injury stuff as an excuse because yeah, everything really else can't. is bad too. Yes. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Let me. It's all bad. I'm looking at um, FEI, the you know the nest per, nest point per drive FEI ratings, uh, BCF toys. Um, Four, the four worst teams in the nation right now, from 130 to 133, UMass, Akron, Temple, Kent State. The defected Mac East that we're missing out on right now is uh, pretty much in the bottom <laughs> of overall FEI ratings. Don't love that. Don't love that. And that's the wagon wheel for you. It's down there. It's down there. It's in the bottom of the FEI ratings. And, any, and literally any other rating you find. Um. It's that's that's ugly, man. Um, they're behind schedule. Uh, no, no, to, that's on schedule, <laughs> sir. That is on schedule. To get to things that are more exciting to talk about, uh, Buffalo Toledo could still end up being fun. I don't anticipate that it'll be a shootout, but if Toledo doesn't play well, it could get interesting and like Snyder could sling it around enough. Uh, Washington and Krub in the backfield could make it fun. Uh, Buffalo could just continue to kind of underperform in their three and one. I, again, if you asked me Buffalo's record in the conference before this podcast, I would have guessed one and three because I've been paying that close attention, obviously. Uh, way too much going on the vibes these days. That's where my brain's at. I'm too busy with other stuff. Um, so the game I'm actually the most interested in coming up. So not the obviously Ohio, Miami is what I got my eyes on for personal reasons. Um, Buffalo Toledo is just interesting because I think Buffalo could find a way to steal one here. And then we're really talking about some weird shit. Can I interrupt Uh, and say how I think Buffalo might end up winning Toledo? Like this is the game where Buffalo scores off of two blocked kicks. And that's the difference. I think that's going to happen. I don't know. Does Toledo have breakdowns that you've noticed or are you just feeling the vibes? It's Toledo. I'm talking about special teams here. Oh, well, okay. There's a reason. Okay. I'm taking. I'm. I'm reading off your playbook, Coach. Toledo's Thanks, defense coach. is Toledo's defense is not as lights out as it was a year ago. I don't think they can lean on them in the same way. They're still really damn good, but they have, I think, vulnerabilities that, yeah, even Buffalo can maybe exploit a little bit. They have to create turnovers, though. It's the same playbook as last year. Like they're going to have to create at least two to win that game. Like it's not going to be. A, it's not going to be a scenario where Buffalo just pulls out the game of its life and plays like it's like just a good clean football game, thirty five, thirty one, or something like that. Like that, I don't think that's going to happen. Like I think the only way they can beat Toledo is the way they beat them last year, which is just like clubbing them in one quarter with turnovers, twenty to fourteen, calling it twenty to fourteen. But Caleb, the game you're actually looking forward to is dot dot dot. 
Ohio, Ohio, Miami. <laughs> but, no, you no, said like, you said you're Buffalo leaning towards another one. I interrupted. No, it's 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 Buffalo. It's Buffalo. It's Buffalo State oh, because okay. it, it's they can <clears throat> this can this game. I don't think Toledo is good enough that they're gonna. Let me phrase it. Toledo has shown itself vulnerable enough to play down to opponents, and I'm thinking of Ball State that. Buffalo sticks around, makes it interesting, finds some success on the offensive side of the ball, gets lucky on special teams, um, or manufactures something on special teams. We're looking at a whole different race. So what the implications are of this game makes it the most interesting game. Because if Buffalo wins, we're having a completely different fucking conversation about the Mac as a whole. So that's definitely why it's the most interesting game this week. And boom goes the dynamite.